nothing is quite like watching a Blue Jackets Penguins game for me. Um, I'm excited. I'm standing most of the game. Every moment of it, I'm just on the edge of my my seat and my nerves on what will happen when they win. I'm as high as I can be when they lose. It, it feels like my soul has been crushed. And and those games are just have that extra something in it for me. Now, if you're looking for a way to get that little extra excitement in any game or or you're wanting to look at a way of, of saying, hey, I think I understand hockey better than, than other people, and you want to look at turning that into a little bit of cash, uh, we've got our friends here at the, the Hockey Podcast Network at mybookie.ag. Now, the guys at mybookie.ag, they give you so many ways to win, so many games to play, everything from obviously picking winners and losers to picking division winners to picking who's going to win a cup or just prop bets like who's going to score the next goal, all sorts of stuff. MyBookie has the best payouts and better odds than a lot of sports books do. You can risk a lot or as little on as many games as you want, so it really fits what you want to do with it. Now, And with Christmas around the corner, there's daily gifts, free plays, free spins, a lot more on the site there. If you join now, MyBookie will match your deposit halfway all the way up to 1000 bucks. That means if you deposit $100, you'll get an extra $50 to play with. Deposit $200, you get an extra $100. You get it. Just use the promo code THPN, as in the Hockey Podcast Network, THPN, to activate the offer and take advantage of this great deal. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get money. This is the Shoot Once Podcast. I'm Frank Walker. Welcome, everyone, to the newest episode of the Shoot Once Podcast. Um, here we are. It is February 16th, the night the Blue Jackets uh, lost in a shootout to the Devils. Um, this is a good time to, to just kind of point out how much we we hate the shootout here at the Free Shoot Ones podcast. I mean, almost anything is better. There really isn't a comparison in sports for such a gimmicky way to end a game. Uh, it it just... I mean, imagine any other sport who's like, hey, you know what, instead of keep playing or instead of continuing overtime, we could, e- we could say there's just a tie. I mean, even the NFL does ties. They're not often, but they happen. But to just keep playing a strange semi-version of your sport where it's just testing one skill... It's just the shootout. And I guess the goalie's in there still, but there's not passing. There's not checking. There's not, uh, I mean, stick handling, you can't even go backwards. I mean, there's not having to gain the blue line. I mean, it's 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 not the sport at that point. It would be akin to, an, to a, a basketball game ending, and after a five-minute overtime, they went, eh, let's just shoot free throws and see who misses first. I mean, obviously that's not a legitimate way for them to find an, an ending that game. So that's that's why the shootout bothers me. I'm really quite happy the Blue Jacks only had three of them so far this season because they're just uh, they just they're they're a terrible way to win a game. I mean, not not I mean, if you win, yeah, you feel okay about it. But when you lose a game, you hate it because you're like, we didn't really lose at hockey. We lost the shootout. Even when you win a game with that, it's kind of like, oh, yeah, we win. But, again, like winning a goal in, in overtime in three-on-three three still feels like hockey. 
yeah, you took some guys off the floor. You tried to do some things to to increase the odds of scoring, but I, I personally would rather just see either expand three on three overtime. In in a perfect world, in my mind, you do three on three overtime. Either until somebody wins, because it's only going to last so long. Where you cap it at seven or ten minutes, then call it a tie. Because I'd rather have a tie than a shootout, honestly. And it would be an interesting thing because teams would be, unless it was an in division game or an in conference game where you were playing somebody who like you were chasing in the standings or, or who was chasing you. If it wasn't a team, it wasn't a direct situation like that. Of course, if you were chasing, you'd be pushing to score. Because if you end the game in a tie anymore, if you it in a you know one point on each side, so you'd be really pushing because you have to gain at least a point on them, right? But I don't know. I, I don't like it. I for some reason they got this idea in their head that American sports fans fans can't stand a tie. And again, it's not common in American sports, but. Soccer is really embraced by a lot of Americans, and they have all sorts of ties. I think the American sports fans are more sophisticated than they were in the early 2000s when there was this whole premise of no ties. Because, I mean, MLS even tried the no shootouts when they first started Major League Soccer, and the fans in soccer revolted because it was a silly concept to them. Anyway, jumping into this week's show. Uh, now, these numbers, as far as the projections, are before this most recent night's games. Yeah, before tonight's, before the games that happened today. Before today, the Blue Jackets had a 45% chance of making the playoffs. Now, it had dropped a little bit. Um, Carolina and Philadelphia really made up some ground. Uh, I think Philadelphia... Or, but then last night, there were some different things that happened. These numbers are going to get thrown off again after this show because uh, the... The Hurricanes lost in overtime. So they had the same thing the Blue Jackets did. So where we're at in the standings right now, things are tricky. Uh, and when it comes to the Eastern Conference wild card, the Blue Jackets are the first wild card. Where's trigger for them is they're up two points on the Hurricanes and they're up one point on the Flyers. But both, but the Flyers have a game in hand. Carolina has two games in hand. And Columbus is behind the Islanders. They're tied with the Islanders as far as points, but the Islanders have three games in hand. So we're at a point where if you're the Blue Jackets, you don't exactly hold your fate in your own hands because other teams have games in hand on you. So you've got to just start winning games. Um, and they've had a rough record in recent recent games. Um, we're down to 4-2-4 and four in the last 10. I mean, those overtime losses... You still get points for them, but a few of those should have been wins at this point. I mean, that you're you're just you're fighting to stay in it, and it's it's a trick. It is it is difficult at this point. So, looking at the most recent games for the three games since we've talked, all losses. Um, the Sabers beat the Blue Jackets four three. Rangers win three one. Blue Jackets lose the Devils four three. The nice thing is we're starting to see three goal games. So, I mean, they're not just having one and two goals in a game, which is something. But, so looking at these games, I mean, first of all, I mean, the the news that now Cam Atkinson's back on the IR again, which is just who knows when he'll be back on this team. 
just one more one more hammer uh, one more one more nail in the coffin to what this team's trying to do and it's so there's an old an old uh, an old logic problem called the ship of thesis and the way the logic problem goes is so there's a ship it's owned by a man named Thesis. And some versions of this, it's in a museum. Others, it's just the guy still has the ship. It doesn't really matter. The point's the same. But how this goes is, um, Thesis realizes there's certain boards on his ship that are starting to bow or starting to, you know, decay and rot from being out at sea so much and while. So he replaces them. And the mast, the mast is getting weak. It's getting old, so he replaces it. And the the sails are getting worn and tattered, so he replaces that, and then parts of the deck he starts to replace, to eventually to the point where Theseus essentially has replaced every part of the ship. So the end of the logic question is, is it still the same ship? Because at times, a lot of those pieces spent time on the ship with the other, the other pieces, so is it the same one? And that's what this Blue Jackets team is making me think of. Is this team... I mean, because I've seen it, what was it? Somebody put something on, on Twitter about all the team players they've lost, and someone responded with just the most hockey answer of, oh, well, good teams just work past that. And, I mean, we're really getting to the point of, is this the same team? I mean, there's just so many players that are out. And today the tweets went around again because Fox Sports Ohio put up the, the list, the injury list, and people did the comments of, hey, that's a pretty good team. I mean, let's look at it for a second. Josh Anderson, Cam Atkinson, Brandon Dubinsky, Seth Jones, Jonas Corposalo, Dean Kukin, Ryan Murray, Alexander Texier, and Alexander Venberg. I, I mean, at this point, when you look at our lines, Josh Anderson and Cam Atkinson are top six forwards on almost any team in the, in the, in the NHL. Brandon Dubinsky, I mean, he'd chew up some center depth. Seth Jones is a Norris-caliber defenseman. You know, Scorpicello is an all-star goaltender. Teen Kukin, I mean, he's a bottom four defenseman, depending on the day. Ryan Murray, top four defenseman in the league. Alexander Texier, had a really good playoff last year. I mean, it's tough, tough to tell what he is right now, but but he's pretty good. I mean, he's a pretty good player. Alexander Venberg, great penalty killer, great defensive center. I mean, you've got so much out on your team that it's tough to tell to hold this team to the same standard. And and it's when you talk about where this team is, it's worth thinking about where this how this team is designed. And remember, when the Blue Jackets hired John Davidson and then they brought over Yarmo, both those guys came from the St. Louis Blues organization, which has run in very much a similar way for years, which is, it's about getting as many good players as possible because it seemed like they identified that they were just in this place of we're always in that what you call in sports that mushy middle where you're not good enough to be a contender but you're not bad enough to get the number one overall pick so the idea seemed to be we're just going to get as many good players as we can and that will make us competitive we're not building the team around superstars we're going to get as many good players as we can if we can get a superstar great which is where the big hurt from from a guy like Panarin leaving was. 
but they were built like the St. Louis Blues. And when you looked at last year's Blue Jackets, that was really obvious because both players had great Russian wingers that were their main offensive force, the Blues and Vladimir Tarasenko, the Blue Jackets and Artemi Panarin. Well, fast forward to this year. The Blues lose Vladimir Tarasenko, and they keep rolling right along. The Blue Jackets lose Artemi Panarin to free agency, not to an injury, as the Blues did for Tarasenko, but they lose him to free agency. After the first month or two, the team looked like they were just rolling right along. Why? Because the team's built on depth. Now, we started having injuries early. But when you build a team with the idea of every single player is going to be good throughout, you can you can withstand injury to an extent. But that is true of anything, to an extent. I mean, at this point, we have, again, when you look at Josh Anderson and Cam Axon, that's two top six forwards. And then Seth Jones and Ryan Murray, that's two top, you know, a top pair defenseman. And Ryan Murray is a top four defenseman. I mean, you're just... There's only so much you can withstand it sometimes. So it, it's tough to tell what's going to happen with this team. Now, looking at the last slate of games this team has played. So these last three games. Sabres game, their expected goals, four percentage at five on five, scoring venue adjusted was 57.75%. Against the Rangers, it was down to 43.46. Against the Devils, it was 67.38. Now, when you go into the Lightning game, Expected goals, 4%, 61.04. Going to the Avalanche game, 67.37. If we go back to the Wings, 79.45. And then even going to the Panthers game on the 4th, 59.73. What this is telling us, the reason I'm bringing up these numbers, and I understand they just sound like just numbers, what it's telling us is that at 5-on-5 play, the Blue Jackets... In their last few games, even though we're on this bad run, with the exception of the Rangers game, have generated scoring chances that give them a chance that give them the chance for better overall play. They are, for the most part, they're outplaying these games, even though they're losing. And where that's encouraging is that that's that means you're losing on on luck. You're losing on. You know, either you don't get the save you need or your shooting percentage is lower than you want it to be. So it's encouraging because your team is outplaying the other, which tends to be an indication that you're you're better than them. Where it's frustrating is these types of things are odds. Now, a lot of people misunderstand odds. When I talk about odds, if I say there is a 6 in 10 chance of something, there are some people, that, like if I, you know... um. It, it, let's just go with the simplest one, flipping a coin. Uh, flipping a coin is a 50-50 chance. Meaning if you do it 10 times, the odds are in your favor that it will happen 5 times on one side, 5 times on the other. Now we all know that when you only do it 10 times, it's entirely possible that it lands 7 times on one side and not the other. Now if you do that in front of somebody and they go, <laughs> you're wrong, you're dumb. No, it's not that you're dumb, it's just that odds are just that. They're odds. It's that it could happen this many times. And that's what is the reasonable predictor. If you flip a coin a thousand times, the longer you do it, the closer it's going to get to that 50-50. So it's not going to keep up a run of, you know, seven out of ten it's landing on heads. It's going to fluctuate and get down to that five. The problem if you're the Blue Jackets right now is you're down to 22 games left in the season. Early in the season, we talked about, ah, the shooting percentage needs to come back up, the save percentage needs to come back up. There's, there may not be time 
at this point. That's the thing. You can't just wait it out. Either the team needs to figure it out or or hopefully things just happen. And when you look at the previous games, at 5-on-5 five five score and venue adjusted, shooting percentage isn't great. Against the Devils, it was 6.52. Against the Sabres, it was 7.4. Against the Lightning, it was 3.7. I mean, it's not great. Goaltending, I don't. I wouldn't say has been the problem in what we've seen. The team just doesn't have the finish it needs, and so you start looking at players, and you're like, okay, what what players are we looking at here? What's going on? And I went through, and we're looking at natural stat trick, and again, this is five on five score and venue adjusted, and these are players that have at least a hundred minutes time on ice for the season. When it comes to our expected goals for leaders, we've got Andrew Peak still, although he's one of the lowest numbers as far as time on ice, so his number may still be skewed. But his expected goals for percentage is 61.17%. Bjorkstrand's 59. Dubois 56.15. The thing that's encouraging is you don't get into a player who's under 50% until 22nd on this team. That's Marcus Nudavara, 49.56 as far as expected goals for. After that, it's just Boone Jenner, Kevin Stenland, uh, and Jacob Lilja. Now, uh, I will say with Stenland and Lilja, it's a little difficult to make guesses on them because their time on ice is Stenland is 256, Lilja's 275. So it's tough to tell where that's at um, because, the, again, the numbers are so low as far as time on ice in comparison to some of these others. Like, you know, Kevin Stenland's at 256 minutes time on ice. Uh, putting that into context, Seth Jones even with his injuries, at 1,062 minutes. Now, he is the most for anybody on the team at 5-on-5, five five, but a player who's missed significant time, Oliver Bjorkstrand, is 688. Uh, a player who really hasn't missed any time uh, but and plays a lot, Pierre-Luc Dubois, five, 832. Nick Foligno, 796 minutes at 5-on-5. Five five. But it's just giving you an idea of who's, who's generating offense. And it, it's the thing where this whole team kind of is, but then we get into... on a shooting percentage and it's, it's less great. Um, I mean, at five on five, it's just, it's just not measuring up right now in these last few games. And that's, that's what it's coming down to. And that's where it's really frustrating as a blue jackets fan, because for most of these games, I think they are outplaying their opponent. And, and I will tell you my number one frustration for me personally in watching this team, there's two. Anytime you need offense and you're not going with Sonny Milano because that kid fights and he pushes and he makes so many things happen with creating turnovers and everything else. I am, before this season, I was not sold on Sonny Milano. At this point, I am. At this point in my mind, Sonny Milano is a player I want in Columbus for a long time. I think he's really skilled. I think he's really tricky. I think he's very good, and I, I want him staying in Columbus for a long time. Again, it's not showing at a bunch of points right now. I think he's really good. The one thing that isn't an, an eye test thing, or that isn't a, a number for me to talk about, but it is a an eye test thing and is is frustrating right now, is that it feels like we need to see another step out of Pierre-Luc Dubois. 
and and I know that some people are frustrated because he was seems like he was demoted, and I don't think he played overtime the other night, and tonight he did play some overtime. But what you're seeing out of these players right now, uh, you're seeing out of Buffalo and Jack Eichel, you're seeing it in Edmonton with the what Leon Dreisaitl is doing with Connor McDavid out of the game, and I know those are high players to hold him to. But my hope is that he would become something like that. Maybe that's maybe that's being foolish of me. My hope for this team is that he turns into something around that level. I don't think he'll be as good as a Jack Eichel or, or maybe even a Leon Dreisaitl. But just there's not that. You're, very rarely are you seeing him stop and and essentially carrying the team. There's so many times, and there are times where he'll do great things. It just. And maybe it's maybe it's a confirmation bias where when he's doing great things, the team's winning. And so I think, oh, well, look, he's just he's doing well when the team's winning and not that he's doing well when the team's losing. But it just I understand towards reasoning for trying to bench him and trying to get more out of him. Uh, pairing him with Sonny Milano on his wing seemed awesome. I think that's a great idea. Sonny Milano is the kind of player that's going to create space, create chances, create things around him. I think that's a wonderful idea if I'm the Blue Jackets I am putting Sandy Milano on line with Pierre-Luc Dubois I'm putting Bjorkstrand on his own line because Bjorkstrand seems to kind of create opportunities around himself so I, I I still I mean when you look at the injuries of this team you look where this team is at I'm very much in agreement that this is a team that can do things I mean it, it's still going to be good what I'm trying to keep in perspective as I watch this season, because I want to see them make the playoffs, because I think they can be good enough if they're if they're healthy or just play up to their potential. What I'm trying to keep in mind is this is a team that this isn't the year that you're going for a win. This isn't the year you're going for a Stanley Cup. Um, so I'm I'm trying to keep that positive outlook on it here as far as what we're looking at. One other thing I wanted to touch on on this episode uh, is refereeing in the NHL. And, and we've seen it in recent days. There was a big controversy in Montreal where there was actually a, after the game, it was called on audio of a ref telling a, a player, essentially referring to him with an expletive uh, on a night when the Canadians seemed to not get many calls, we'll put it. And it's something you've just noticed in sports where it seems like everybody's saying the refs aren't doing as good, the refs aren't doing as good. And I don't know if it's just the refs aren't as good or if it's a combination of now that we can see instant replays in great detail that we're noticing things the refs aren't doing as well or what it is exactly. And in my mind, so there's this new league that plays football, the XFL, and they seem to have found the right solution to this, which is just, so they've got all the officials on the field. They've got one official that all he does is sit and watch the monitors for the game. And if he now this is easy in football because there's these stops stoppages in play every few minutes. Every, you know, every 30 seconds or 20 seconds or whatever it is for a play to happen. There's these stoppages. And it's easy for a referee then to like call down, stop the play, and be like, hey, I'm gonna review this and to put that little stop in the game. And there's no co- there's no challenges on the coach's side. Which I really like the idea of no challenges because really during a sporting event. It shouldn't be on the coaches and the players to do quality control on the referees. The referees should just be, you know, doing it well. But in my mind, I think they should try and incorporate something like this in hockey. 
Um, first of all, it seems like the two referees, two linesmen get in the way. So what you do is you have one referee, two linesmen, and you have a video ref who just sits there and watches the game on video. And if he sees something that he thinks should be called, he hits a button. And down at ice level, there's a little mechanical whistle that blows the whistle to stop play dead. And immediately then the referee and the guy up in the video booth are on a little, you know, call or microphone or whatever. Or he can even skate over to the box and grab the phone or whatever. It's no big deal. And he can tell him what call he saw. Or if the referee on the ice made a call and it's incorrect. You know, that was one we saw the other night where, um, I forget who it was for the Blue Jacks, but they were called for tripping when it became very quickly obvious on the video that it wasn't the Blue Jacks player that tripped him, but his own guy. That instant video ref, instead of, you know, the coach having to challenge and then us having to stop the game out of this big old review process, all it could be is they call the penalty, and then as the referee's skating over, he gets a little buzz that he needs to talk to the video ref who goes, eh, no, it wasn't that. And then they can just wave it off, do the face off, and move on. It's simple. I don't know why they don't do it, but then again, why change anything that's, you know, why make anything easier that's simple, so... This week is going to be a big one for the Blue Jackets, guys. Uh, big thing is there's one game before we talk again, although mine's going to be, to be to be transparent with how this week's going to go, I am going on vacation. And that means my my schedule, at least for this week, is going to be really messed up in, in how we discuss things. Um, but again, to keep an eye out for it, Tuesday night and Thursday night are the big ones. That back-to-back, that that Philadelphia, going to Philadelphia and then Philadelphia coming to Columbus, that could make or break the season. We'll see what happens. Anyway, thank you guys for listening. Uh, Do appreciate you listening to the show, and go Jackets. This has been the Shoot Once Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at ShootOncePod.